All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of Heroes versus Withers or whatever we're going to call this after this first episode. My name is John Reinhardt. I am followed here by uh, we have Daniel Nichols uh, coming at us out of Seattle and we have Mr. Micah Brown coming to us out of Austin. Congratulations on that. I, I appreciate you waving the Texas flag. Heck yeah. Is that, is that what's behind you right now? No, that's straight up a comforter uh, mounted on some cymbal stands that clearly don't have cymbals on them right now. You know, I improvise. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Aggie intuition. All right. So, guys, this whole podcast is going to be centered around just our love of nerd and everything else. Daniel, what would, what would be your description of it? Uh, our love of videos, uh, nerdy things, pretty much anything uh, media related. And we all get excited about that would be my best description. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and and just to give, we need to let his nerd flag fly just a little bit so everyone knows he's actually legit. Hoist it up, man. You know, queen of the whole nerd fandom is San Diego Comic-Con, which I do believe you've been to. And I, I do believe, didn't you win something there for that one costume that you made? We're gonna have, you're gonna have to like like post this up different places. So he's a cosplayer, but he's a really good cosplayer. There's the guys that show up in in boxes and you know like little pieces of paint strips, and then there's this guy who made himself a full from scratch Mandalorian armor outfit, like you know rocked up and won San Diego Comic Con. That's a different level of nerd. I think Micah, you know, looking over, hitting over there, I think he just got goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, for, I got to know, like, did you dress up a dog for Baby Yoda? Or like, what did, was there Baby Yoda involved at all? Baby Yoda was not involved. So this was way back before. This was like Mandalorian OG. Oh, okay. Got it. When I went to Comic-Con, uh, it was like 14 years ago or something like that. It was a while back. It was one of my teenage years. And I was really, really, really nerdy into... Star Wars, Warhammer, and Lord of the Rings, and a few other things. Oh, no, 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 no. You cannot throw that out there like that, because then they're not going to realize, like, you and your, you know, ex-wife, like, I saw the Halloween that y'all put on. Cantina? Literally, like, two years ago, full-on Star Wars Cantina for Halloween in in the garage. Sith makeup on, on his wife. Um, Like, I mean, full... No, 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 no. I built all the armor out of uh, aluminum sheets and everything else and then like hammered it custom made everything i put about three years of work into it but yeah i was part of the mandalorian mercs back then which is a huge group now but uh we did that for a number of years and i went to comic-con three different times and then star wars comic-con and then a wonder con which was pretty fun and to officially say i believe it was the WonderCon contest that we won, not the Comic-Con, just FYI. But to everyone around here, it doesn't matter because, you know, it's all the same. So, yeah, I won the Comic-Con contest. I want to I want to throw my hat in the ring. Uh, the most involved that I've been for um, putting on a costume. And I go hard, okay? It was as Luigi for, for Halloween. And this is total tongue in cheek. It's okay to laugh. But I did grow out my own mustache and I dyed it black. We actually carved out of cardboard some Mario Karts and we went down to Rainy Street in Austin before it got, you know, tore to pieces by high rises and apartments and whatnot. But my buddy was Mario. I was Luigi because I'm just a little bit taller than him. And we raced up and down Rainy Street with the gloves, the hat, the shirts, overalls, even the like the work boots. 
And I can't tell you how many people were like trying to high five us and stuff. Obviously we ignored them because we ignore our fans. Uh, but the, the mustache is what said it. And, uh, I, I, other than that, two other things come to mind. One, my wife and I, when the first of the three newest star Wars, and I can't even remember off the top of my head what it was. I, I kind of like blocked those out of my mind in a way. Um, they're worth it, but they're just not as you know good. Uh, but anyway, I wore a Darth Vader onesie and she wore a, star, a Stormtrooper onesie with a mask and I had a lightsaber and everything to the movie premiere. Same thing kind of, but with Captain America and I think the Winter Soldier. When that movie came out, I dressed up as Captain America with a shield and I had like a clean shaven face. I was a little bit more fit then. Not going to talk about it. Anyway, had a comb over like he had in the movie. And what made the whole experience for me personally was when I walked through the doors of the movie theater and this kid had to be like six years old. His eyes just... And he grabs his dad's hand and says something to him. And his dad looks at me and smiles and goes, hey, can you get a picture with you? And I was like, absolutely. And then I was set. I was like, I want to do this every single time a Marvel movie comes out. It's worth it. So I did it all the way up until Infinity War and Endgame both came out like on my birthday or right like the day before or after. So it was a good excuse. I'm like, hey, everybody, we're going to go see this movie. And you have no choice because it's my birthday. And I'm going to dress up as Captain America. And you're not allowed to say anything till the day after. So it was it was great. Not as Not quite as committed as Daniel but still hanging the nerd flag. I feel like if you're going to do something nerdy, ridiculous, or whatever you want to call it, there's either like 100% or 0%. There's no in between. Like, as if you do in between, people are like, what What is this guy doing? Like, this is kind of awkward or whatever. But if you do it 100%, there's at least like a natural respect built in from other people, even people that may never dress up, you know, like they're just like, oh, well, this guy's going for it, you know? I mean, you can always just be like one of those, uh, you know, e-girls in the bikinis and stuff and just like get, just buy a bikini and we call it good. <laughs> they have the they have the Slave Leia. They have a lot of guys like prouncing around Comic-Con in Slave Leia's. You know, that's always an option. It's a popular one, but, uh, you know, it's a good one. That's what I've been trying to tell my wife about, you know, my current costume that I'm working on. I'm, I'm working on Fat Thor. And I've been working on it for the last, like, at least, you know, at least a couple of years. And, yeah. uh, you know. I keep trying to tell her that's what I'm going for. She, she's not really as, as down as I am about it. Once the uh, episode uh, 50 comes out, then we're going to get John in one of those. It's a very popular one. John, I think I would want your autograph. I'm about goes, can, I, can I go as the spawn of Leia and Hut? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Leia the Hut. I dig it. I Now you've piqued my curiosity, so I, I really need you to make this happen. It's okay, John. You know, if that's something you're really wanting to go for, we <laughs> totally support you. And we will support you, episode 50. I'm glad you are uh, <laughs> volunteering me for such an esteemed <laughs> award and occasion. I, let's, let's be clear. Let's straighten this out. We did not volunteer you. You brought it up. Damn. So we just need you to follow through. Have some commitment. Okay. All right, before I get myself backed into anything else or anyone else in a Slave Leia costume, um, <laughs> um, uh, one of the subjects that we wanted to hit today was Invincibles. Now, I think all of us have actually finished Invincibles. Oh, yeah. Or Invincible. Yep. Um, okay. Mike, I'll let you start. What did you think about it? Okay, first and foremost, anybody that's listening to this 
that has only started Invincible and for whatever stupid reason, because it's got to be a stupid reason, you you just stopped watching it, shame on you. It's it's an amazing show. If you've made it to even episode two, you got to finish. Like there's no question whatsoever. Um, I think from a premise standpoint, uh, it's a new, fresh comic, right? It's, it's a new, uh, it's not the MCU. It's not DCEU. Okay. So you've got this new storyline. I appreciated that. Now, unlike Jupiter's legacy, which off the bat, and I'm not going to detour, but off the bat, I was like Jupiter's legacy. This is new. This is different. Let's give it a shot. But with invincible, I, I also have grown accustomed to the, the real life characters, you know, actual actors, that sort of thing, even CGI to make it look real, that sort of thing. So to, to suddenly pivot back to cartoons, there was kind of this delay that only lasted in the first episode for me. It was, it didn't last past that. I, I had to get accustomed back to cartoons. Now it's more on in the spectrum of superhero stuff. It's closer to the boys than it is to Marvel because good Lord, there is, there are some points in there that I was like, Oh my gosh, like that, that just happened, you know? So, um, it was very gory. There's some, there's some real gore in there. Not a good series to watch with your kids on Sunday morning. Oh, don't No, It's not. I mean, make your own judgments. I'm a parent of two. I would not let my, my kids watch this probably till at least high school. Like, just because, and now middle school, and I was a middle school teacher, it, it's going to be a gauge of like maturity level. Is this something they could handle? Is this something they could not? Do they understand this is a show? All that. Anyway, um, I did. So are we, is this like spoiler filled? Are we allowed to like, is this the, the point where we say the disclaimer? Like we're going to full bore everything? All right. So if you are sensitive and you don't like spoilers, spoiler alert. And if you're sensitive, you probably didn't watch Invincible anyway, because then you would know that a wife apparently could be called a pet, um, which is, I don't recommend that just for the record. And the show makes a good point of don't do that. Um, <laughs> but okay, so if we're, if we're going that route. So I think, I think the storyline is, is a pretty easy one is as far as there's a son of a superhero. He's waiting on getting his powers. If he gets his powers, what will they be? Will, they, will he be just as strong as his dad? That sort of thing. But he's half human. So like, what are we trying to figure out? From the get-go, you know something's off because Omni-Man just rips through all these people. Omni-Man is his dad. By the end of the season, kind of a douche. Um, so just a, little, just a little bit, you know. So when he starts tearing into the whole, basically the Justice League of this universe... It's like something either I, I was thinking like either somebody's controlling him or, or something is, is just snapped inside of him because the cartoon does a great job of, you know, facial expressions, that sort of thing. So you can tell like he's thinking through what he's doing and I'm left wondering why, what is happening? So to go from there to like that then kind of breeds this mystery aspect of what was going on in Omni-Man's head to lead to this point. I enjoyed it. I, I felt like it was graphically mature, but emotionally shallow. Really? So when, they're, when you're starting to play with something like boys, which is definitely adult, and it really deals with real adult 
subjects and real world consequences and and present day politics even like you know uh put inside that universe and then you have something like this which it felt like they were trying to marry what i would have watched when i was you know 12 to you know 13 like comic book movie and they're trying to get that nostalgia from me you know with with these characters and the designs and all that stuff and then we're we're still doing very much a a whole show where I, I feel like it's it's lacking in the depth that I would want from uh, from a more mature audience watching. I, f- I felt like you were kind of divided on like you know how far do we really go? Um, because other than the gore, I mean it's not really emotionally fulfilling that way. Where I feel like boys very much is. It makes you feel everything about everyone and. There's, there's a lot kind of going on there. I think the, so the emotion part, I think would agree with you on how they handled the whole high school aspect and the main character of Invincible when it came down to kind of the more meat of it, which was the father-son relationship towards the end, it got a lot more intense, but I really wish that they had at least flushed out more character dynamics, like relationships wise in the middle part. And I think that for me is where I felt like a little lackluster in that regard. And I'm guessing nobody here has read the comics, correct? I haven't. I have not, no. I, I have not. So I don't know if that is something they fleshed out in the comics and they chose just not to have that or they were just starting it off like a classic superhero comic book made it mature and they have kind of this clash through the comics. I don't know if that is a thing. I'm going to I'm going to push back a little bit on the the depth of the storyline like as far as maturity. Now, I don't John, I don't know what your objective definition of like where the mature line is, but I think that at least mentally it it takes some maturity to understand what the twist is with Omni-Man because it still makes sense it's not, it's, you don't want to agree with it. You don't want to, you know, get on board with it. Cause it's like, you're, you're planning on just what outliving all the human race. And so suddenly it's okay to kill them. Like, is that, is that where we are? I'm going to outlive, you know, bugs that are crawling on my driveway, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm walking around just smashing every one of them. Right. But that's, that's, that's at the very, very end. Yeah. I'm talking about the whole season, like all the way across, like you're still dealing with this very generalized father son dynamic. Does daddy like me? Can I be like dad? There's nothing else kind of past that. It's something I've, I've heard like a million times, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having, stories that kind of like resound throughout stuff but like like there were there's there's more there's like if you're going to go for that kind of adult audience which in this case i mean it's it's basically an r-rated comic like then let's let's go there let's 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 deal with kind of some of the darker stuff like like watch one of my favorite i think probably comic book shows like there's some real world depth to that so, like, why why throw up the, you know, the gore on it if you're not going to go into, though, like, into really deep ideas of identity or what does that actually look like? And, and like, even, like, at the end, one of my, one of my biggest things that I, I absolutely, I understand why they did it, but I, I, I don't like that they didn't get into the in character's head on it, 
is after he goes through all this trauma, right? He just goes back to high school. It, it was like, oh yeah, my dad is a, a murderer. He just took me through, basically made me murder a billion, you know, like all these people just like crushed through him because he is, you know, so much more invincible than they are. And his response is, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to go back to high school because things are normal. Part of me in my brain goes, I, I get like, I want to return to normal. But the other part of me is like, there's no way. That's what I mean by psychologically shallow. Yeah, that was a little weird for me. Like, I'm sorry, you did what? Like, what does that actually do to you? Omni-Man, like he's, he lives forever, but he has emotional relationships with all these people. He's doing all this stuff. It's still going to affect you to some level. And they explored a little bit of like the son-father dynamic and what would that be like and, and you kind of coming into your own. But I still feel like there'd be more there than, than even, even like when he became powerful, it was such a quick transition from no powers to powers that I didn't really feel his, his sense of identity crisis. Like, am I actually going to become a superhero? I don't really know. I didn't feel that because within the first episode, he has his powers. So uh, they didn't load up the die in as good as they could have. It's still a fun show. I still enjoyed it, but it wouldn't be in my top 10. So I, I do agree that within the first episode, he's getting his powers. That could have been stretched out a little bit. Let's explore that space, you know, have fun with it. But he definitely did struggle with his identity in the same way that like the child of a star, a movie star trying to start acting. You know that you have this pedigree in front of you that you've got to live up to suddenly. And so he goes out and he, he fights these, I don't they're like time warp aliens or something like that. But he goes out and tries to fight these aliens by himself. And he realized very quickly, like, obviously I can't do this. And so, yes, he got his powers, but it's like handing a teenager car keys before they ever took any lessons on driving. You're like, here you go. Have fun. You got the car now. And he, he goes out and he tries to figure that out. And then he realizes he needs a team behind him or he needs to figure out his own skill set. And so um, I think that there was development. I do agree with you that they could have elongated and kind of built, not suspense, but just kind of built that anticipation of like, you know, what's going to happen, but yeah, you want him to grow into, you want him to earn it. You want it to be fulfilling. I, personally i think an example of what not to do like on the other end of the spectrum is smallville with superman flying like it took way too long it took way too long so in the same way here it was too fast let's talk about his girlfriend for a second okay she talks about how she knew that he was a superman she put it together and yet she's still giving him a hard time like come on seriously You're not going to, as my, as my friend, Micah Black said, he's like, Amber still ain't going to put out when she knows the, like the deal, like she knows what's going on. And yeah, she's not going to put out like, come on, that's not okay. Yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't make any sense at all. I I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic. I'm like, you got a girlfriend who says she understands what's going on, but yet she's still holding a grudge or something. And and I think everybody and their mom wants like, well, maybe not. I don't know how many moms are watching this show, but um, like Eve, you can tell there's some chemistry between Adam, Eve and invincible, 
but yet like it's the forbidden fruit pun intended right but that's that's just the same trope that everyone uses like everything from big bang is the is the boy going to get the girl for the next seven seasons well it it is because everybody expects that but but when they brought amber back into the storyline suddenly it was like wait what that doesn't that's not the thing like here's adam eve and invincible they're superheroes like clearly they're supposed to be together but he ends up back with amber and so it's kind of like this confusing like well i don't amber's not even nice to him like she's kind of like weird about it and it doesn't make sense but then again i've been in that kind of relationship where she's nice but it doesn't make sense you know so like there's <laughs> there's like this real world connection for a minute where i was like nah i feel that there, there's a lot of empathy there <laughs> like well, I, I'm really glad that we're, we're, we're diving into your um, trying, love triangle territory. That, that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Let it out. It's fine. We're here for you. Some support. I really need to air this out. I need to let it out. You know. So we change this podcast to, uh, you know, therapy sessions for us nerds. Nerd therapy. That's what we're going to call this from now on. We're going to call it nerd therapy. Yeah. I'm like I'm looking this up right now. I'm like, is it, is it nerd therapy? Again, thank y'all for letting me air this out. This is really therapeutic for me. Just like coming to terms with who I am and my identity. Yeah. And, and how do we connect everything that we watch or like put ourselves through with real life situations? Like I already mentioned the girlfriend and, you know, and then now we got this thing. And <laughs> I, I agree with Daniel. Oh, uh, well, never, we can't, we can't, we can't use oh, it. It's nerd gosh. therapy podcast right. is already there. It's a D&D podcast, which is perfect. Of course, it's a D&D <laughs> podcast. Go ahead. Back to the think tank. Well, we could switch around, you know, therapy for nerds. <laughs> TFN. <laughs> but none of the characters seem to have intuition about each other, which is something that also makes it super shallow. Come on. Bro, that is that is the same in every horror film you've ever seen. Hey, it's What's the guy's name that did the joke? He's like... Is anybody in here? No. Okay. I'm going to go take a shower naked by myself. It's like, that's, that is so old. But that's, that's a trope though. But I'm saying that's what it is. It is a trope that they, they don't have this, like just intuition about each other. It's like, come on, Superman, he puts on glasses and suddenly people can't recognize him. Come on. If we're, if we're looking at R rated superhero stories, right? A lot of times they do have a lot of intuition. Um, the boys, very much. There's not. There's not really dumb characters running around. I don't know. Huey. Huey puts up a strong case. <laughs> okay, I'll give you Huey. But there's there's a lot of intuition kind of going on. If I take it out of Saturday morning cartoon land, because that's what they did by bringing up the gore level that much, and because if it was just Saturday morning cartoon, I'd be happy, right? It's dumb. It's it's easy going. It's yeah. Like I got it. Yeah, but. It's not your your audience is no longer, you know, a ten year old. You're down to hunt wabbits. I got you. Your audience is now a twenty four, probably plus year old who's like, hey, like I'm I'm down to see like some really hardcore stuff. And well, if that's the case, then like let's let's really get down. Well, yeah, let let's go there, John. Let's go there, John. Let's go. Let's do it, John. So with the boys, let's let's explore why was it so engaging? Why is it such like just a golden nugget? One, it explores a niche of superhero mythology that hasn't been addressed in screen time so far. 
right? So we got, we got the good guys doing the good thing for the, the right reasons. Or even in the case of like Civil War where they split, they both still had the right reasons, but the truth was more so left and right versus yes or no. So then you get to the boys and suddenly it's like, this feels very human. And let's be crystal clear. Everything that we talk about on this podcast is like, we connect it to something in a part of our world. Like even fantasy stuff, we watch to get an escape from whatever our reality is. Video games is the same way. So with the boys, all of a sudden you, you had this niche of what if superheroes were human beings that had way too much power and very little accountability. Newsflash is a lot like politicians. Bum, bum, bum. So you got these superheroes that can do literally whatever the heck they want. And for the most part, they get away with it or they have somebody that covers for them. And so then that breeds what you see in season two, which is this kind of like unsettled, like people have garbage on you and people have video clips and people have just trash on you that you don't want out there as the superhero with all this power. And then the boys does explore, like, especially with Homelander, like his, his psyche is just so shattered and broken. I don't think that man knows who he is when he wakes up in the morning and has to literally like look at his suit to get like a systems check on, Oh yeah, I'm Homelander. And here's what I do. Micah, on, on episode 50, can you dress up as Homelander and go around taking pictures with people? Don't tease me with a good time. <laughs> and I'll just get this maniacal like smile, you know, that's just painted on. But I'm going to have to ask you to do it with a fake tit. I do live in Austin. I don't think anybody's going to frown on that. <laughs> they probably won't. <laughs> Mother's milk is right here. <laughs> God bless. Oh my gosh. He's so weird. And like, he is. And what's, he's out and there. what's unfortunate is that you watch that movie and any adult is going, yep, there's people like that in the world. Some people are just or been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Here we oh, go. Oh gosh. <laughs> The whole show is like a thesis on like why superheroes shouldn't exist in our world. You're taught in like high school and middle school or whatever to you create the thesis, which is the one sentence, which everybody's terrible at at first. And some of us get better. Some of us don't. Right. But the thesis is like why we shouldn't have superheroes. And I'm going to now talk about it. (laughs) Like that's that's the whole show in a nutshell. I still come down on Invincible where I'm like, it's a good show, but I think it's missing its audience. One hope I do have for the show is on season two, if they're able to flush out a lot more, I will be happy with it kind of setting it up like this. It's kind of like my feelings on, was it Castlevania? Uh, with season one, like it felt a little empty and things. And then season two, they really flushed it out. I kind of hope that they go in that direction with Invincible. From a marketing standpoint, you have to do what's going to sell and you have to do what you know people will want more of to a degree. And even literally, we are talking about the other things they could be doing. So one of the other things that we kind of wanted to talk about, since we're already on cartoons, um, and we already started um, mentioning Castlevania, was like anime, which is, I, I know Micah is like, isn't that kind of like one of like the scarier parts of nerddom? It's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. And then there's like, there's like, anime like oh okay there there's some really serious people and then you have to kind of divide it into you know japanese anime then you got like kind of the south korean style then american and what is considered there's some really adult anime in there too i'm a big fan of like humans being in 
TV shows in general and movies and that sort of thing. So even Invincible at first was kind of a stretch and I probably wouldn't have just jumped in. But I, so I run a Facebook group with my buddy, Micah Black, who I've already mentioned on this, but uh, it's called MCU Chat. By all means, y'all can all join, whatever. But somebody posted on there, hey, I know it's not MCU, but you need to go watch Invincible. And I was like, eh, okay. If one of my fellow, like a, a friend that I know in real life, and he's telling me I should watch this, and then like multiple people comment right after, you got to watch it. Oh my gosh, this is a crazy show. So that's the reason I went and jumped in. In the first episode, I kind of like just gritted my teeth and bared it, you know, just, okay, I'm going to make it through a cartoon. And then I was hooked after the first episode. So by all means, if some, if either of you wants to tell me this is the first anime you need to go watch, it'll be my homework. Right now, my all time favorite anime series on uh, Netflix right now would be Castlevania. I wouldn't push him into that one. Like as a, as a first like as your first anime, that would not be my. Well, with Castlevania is pretty. So the first season removes pretty fast with all the action, and then season two gets stuff a lot more fleshed out. When I try like Blood of Zeus or something, something a little bit less. Blood of Zeus was a bit slow for me. Uh, I I had mixed emotions about it. But, I'm just uh, gonna take your recommendation, but if like The Last Airbender or Naruto or. Like, cause the only thing I can think of is Dragon Ball Z. I grew up on that, and I I used to draw it. Okay, but it, but have you watched Last Airbender? No, yes. no, no. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, I've seen those. Oh, like people talk about those. That's what I mean. Okay, so if if I was going to introduce somebody to anime at at, at the very beginning, because there's, I feel like there's such a language to anime and Japanese. It, I'm just kidding. Continue. <laughs> Wow. Um, I feel like there's such a language to it. Like, I feel like if you're going to be eased into it, I would rather you go for um, The Last Airbender or, you know, or follow that up with, you know, the more adult, The Legend of Korra. If he could make it through Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, then hopping into something like Castlevania or not Naruto. Naruto is still going. There's like, it's just just an ongoing. You don't need to waste like seven years of your life, like trying to stretch through that. Seven years of your life. That makes me think of freaking Clone Wars. I, I am trying so hard, but sometimes there's episodes that I look at and I'm like, why am I watching this? Okay, if he if he's having a hard time going through Clone Wars, there's no way. He it, it has to, he has to do something like Airbender at the beginning to, to just get his to get him in there. Avatar, The Last Airbender, definitely that's a great just one to sit down and watch because that's one you can watch with your kids too. Is there, is there singing? Is it a musical? Because otherwise, Charlotte's right out. She's out. She's not going to be there. There is there is no musical numbers. Uh, okay, and, and and that okay, and that that twist, like you know, <laughs> we're talking about musical stuff. Okay, but you got to start with Last Hand Airbender. Okay, look, if you love musicals, you will love anime. And if you love anime, you're going to have to love musicals, and there's a reason why. That's a bold statement, folks. Everybody get out the note app on your phone because we all have iPhones, obviously. And I just need you to jot down that John Reinhardt said what he just said. So there's there's a reason why. And I, I think if you come into... I'm sure there is. You come into animation from... Because like you love musicals, don't you? They're pretty fun. Okay. Daniel? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't really care for a lot of musicals. You can say you hate it. Except for like what? Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd. I gotta have my I gotta have my emo fix right there, you know. That's so cutthroat. Get it? So, 
it, here's here's the thing with the same the same thing that kind of works with both anime and especially Japanese anime, kind of the beauty of like musicals. And both of them are visual expressions of emotion from the characters. That's all they are. So when you look at like Japanese anime, what they what they talk about is something that's very different between American anime and Japanese is how they stylize action, how they bend characters way out of out of physical form. Like in like Invincible, people aren't like stretching or moving or there's not a, a crazy dynamic character uh, cameras or anything else like that. You know, there is no like huge wind up with like, you know, lines um, of, of emotion or something like that versus like Japanese anime. That's what it is. The same thing is really true when you talk about musicals. A musical is just a spot where people are using music or dance to express the emotion of the moment for the character. And so if you come at it from that lens, from either coming from a musical to an anime or coming from anime to musicals, I think if you have that in mind, then it's not as much of a a crazy disrupt when someone has like, you know, (laughs) Naruto is really bad, right? About having like these like emotional like moments of uh, of kind of build up for a strike or something else. There's like a minute and a half of exposition in between the time that someone pulls a punch and hits somebody. And like, um, you know, a, a musical number where all of a sudden someone is singing in order to um, express the emotion. That, that, that's my opinion. That, that is the meme, right? Like on, on this episode of Dragon Ball Z, Kame! On next episode of Dragon Ball Z, Kame! You know, that's, that's all it is. John, I, that's a, a very loose stencil of it's people expressing themselves in a certain, that's art. That is all, every bit of art. Music, acting, Drawing. But but, we're, but specifically, we're talking about a stylistic choice inside of a movie or a film, it and and that's what they're doing. Like it's it's a it's a specific rule that everyone follows inside of that specific genre. Audience here, I, I've got a, a four and a half year old, uh, and she'll make sure you you catch that half, uh, four and a half year old, and then an almost two year old, and they currently love anything that has singing in it but if it's just talking they're kind of like whatever except i I would say charlotte the four and a half year old she loves raya and the last dragon um which does not just so everybody's clear it does not have singing numbers like frozen did uh, which was her previous favorite and then moana before that which yes i understand there's overlap it was frozen two not frozen one whatever anyway so my thought there is like okay so what separates out something that's just talking versus something where you include music there's got to be some sort of human dynamic psychologically where singing adds a layer that you can't express in just a line of dialogue or even just body language but there's some other addition that has to happen to help you to explain and help someone else feel what you're currently feeling. And I, I think that music is the way that that happens. So I, I can agree 
John, to the extent that anime has a certain formula and, and how you express things and that sort of thing. And musicals have a certain formula and how you express certain things, but they are different on purpose. Just the same as a, a painting is different than a drawing. Um, they have a different way of going about it. What you're trying to articulate is like a lot of Japanese anime, like, you know, they really try to have a lot of the expression, action, emotion in the action itself, not just the dialogue or even what the characters are saying. It's, it's, it's ingrained into the animation. Doesn't mean that I'm going to love all musicals though. So I still disagree with you on that. <laughs> no, I don't even love all musicals, but you know, there's always, there's always stuff in the, in the stuff that you don't like. But to be clear, like this is only one type of anime because um, you got Studio Ghibli. Like when I want to like have like a wholesome experience and I just want something to relax to, I'm going to turn on a Studio Ghibli film. Some, some of the absolute most beautiful animations um, across genres that I have ever seen. So, I mean, and actually, you know what, Mikey, since you have HBO, right? Since you were watching The Nevers. Studio Ghibli, um, they have, I think, most of the movies. They are on Studio Ghibli, and most of them, I think you're probably your kids could watch with you. The only one that you can't is going to be uh, Princess Mononoke, which is my number one favorite movie of all time, even above Star Wars. Really? Yeah, know that about me. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, okay. <laughs> wow. They're the Walt Disney uh, of Japanese anime. Um, although they don't do as much of like the, the stretching. They're a little bit more rigid. Um, a little bit more true to life. I've actually introduced a few different friends to anime through them, um, at which uh, got like Caleb and other people into it and was kind of like a bridge because they too try to do more realistic animation. Yeah. Last Airbender, Studio Ghibli. Uh, let us know what kind of what um, what stuff you want uh, Micah to watch so that he has lots of homework. <laughs> for the next episode. <laughs> I'm I'm grateful. <laughs> do we need to do a whole like whole episode on like if DC really does get acquired by Disney, that's gonna be uh that's gonna be a tough one. Wait, what? <laughs> I just I just watched it in a bombshell. Wait, what? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> hold on. There's there's another Daniel bombshell, Daniel. There's another bombshell. Just strap in. All right. So all right. So we're we're wrapping this up. So what are the what's the last subjects we got? All right. You ready? All right. So before we close out, I got it. I got to just. I'm gonna show this on on our screen so that we can see it, and then I'll tell everybody what's happening. First, as of two hours ago, according to CBR.com. Jupiter's Legacy series canceled as Netflix reworks the franchise. Personally, I gave this like a five out of ten. That means I'm I, I'll watch it for the sake of watching it and being like caught in the loop, but I'm not interested. Like it's not exciting. I think they tried to try to fit a niche that was between like the boys and the MCU, and it wasn't there. Like they didn't fulfill that. Give me give me the angst of the kids in a Jupiter Legacy TV show. Throw it inside of Invincibles and we got a show. I can I can get on board with that. But here's the thing. I what I'm trying to figure out and I don't have a solid answer for this. Why did I enjoy Invincible more than Jupiter's Legacy? Like that's what I'm trying to figure out. So the problem was is that Jupiter's Legacy first of all, that fight scene in the in the at the beginning of the show was one of the worst fight scenes I have ever seen. That was like in CW any, in the so bad days. Daniel, if like you need to watch Jupiter's Legacy just to see how bad 
Sorry to say it, Daniel. You have to. The action scene was, it was. Oh God! I mean, like it's going to be up on corridor one day, uh, on on the list of the top ten worst fights of all time. It is it is worse than um some of the horror films. I mean, it is worse than. What did they just do like a bunch of cover, like a throw a bunch of cameras everywhere and get coverage of the of the stuff? No, I mean it was it was just weird stuff. Like the action wasn't done well. It wasn't cut well. Oh, Part God. a lot of it is it wasn't cut well, and so you had people that were moving fast but moving slow. Oh, um, no. bad punches that weren't done well. Whole whole. I mean, it 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 felt like I was watching an indie Chinese filmmaker. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like the like the Chinese like or you know like or, or Bollywood <laughs> studio movies like. 20 years ago, not the cool stuff that they're doing now, but like the 20 years ago, back when they're like, you know, it felt that bad. If there had been a, if there had been a moment where someone stuck their foot up and like slapped someone like 10 times in the face, I would not have been surprised. Yeah, it was, and especially when it was so bad. For me, there was a better gold standard and y'all are welcome to disagree with this, but I, I loved watching Superman fight Steppenwolf in the Snyder Cut because say what you want about the Snyder Cut, but that particular scene where <laughs> Superman comes in, wham, not impressed. Oh, I was yeah. like, no, that, that, was, an, that was amazing. Oh, shit. You know, like I just got so high and, and Elizabeth was asleep next to me. I'm trying to finish the movie like in the dead of night, you know, and I was like, <gasps> just like holding my breath, freaking out because that what happens after not impressed was when like to me that's what superman should have been all along is just he's not there's no contest like it doesn't i don't care if you're steppenwolf like steppenwolf was afraid on purpose like there was a reason he was afraid and superman stepped up and was like this is why you're afraid period so to go from that in in not so distant past memory to jupiter's legacy i was like okay is this like a a senior in high school's project and they were like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Let's let me just dial up Adobe premiere. I'm going to go for it. And Oh, this is a cool special effect. Let's do this real quick. That's what it felt like a little bit. And it, well, and even the age makeup, don't get me started. You, you saw that they were really oh trying to like hold this aesthetic of like, these people are old cause they, you know, but they're, but they're young and youthful. I, I tried to get past my suspension of disbelief, but when I can still see oh my makeup edges and lines on your face. Okay. I have a real, like, and I don't know who the makeup artist was. Like, <laughs> and, and, if, and if you saw that, that should have been taken care of in post. There wasn't one. Like, you don't <laughs> put that stuff out on the internet. Have you lost your freaking minds? Okay. Do Hubmel's character. Anyway, he actually looked like a homeless bum that had been strung out on some kind of drugs. And he, his hair. Yeah, and spray painted his hair white. Even, even this, like, Daniel, just. With gorilla Just glue. Look at that hair. He looks like he hasn't washed it in five weeks. Okay, I haven't watched it at all. All, all the marketing I saw around, I was like, "Is this a comedy show?" It should have been. Honest to God, it should have been. That's the problem. They tried to make it serious. So, so we can kind of like wrap this up. The other thing that John and I were mentioning uh, was that there's this, I'll say, substantiated rumor. Substantiated. So there's there's apparently 
some truth to it. Well, okay, it's it's more it's more than just a little bit of a rumor. Warner Brothers is selling DC. That 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 is that is one hundred percent confirmed. That's true. That that's okay. That's the qualifier. Whether or not Disney ends up purchasing them, I will believe when it's done. Let me put it that way. I'll believe when it's done. You know, what I was reading even like today where they were talking about like their financials and, and going through all that stuff, that sounds, I mean, I, I know other other companies were involved, but, you know, with AT&T dropping Time Warner and HBO and, and, and that whole system and, you know, now splitting off DC, uh, you know, it really does, to me, sound like Disney's going to grab a hold of DC. So let's let's play this out. Let's let's start the hypothetical guessing game here, okay? And okay, let's say Disney does f- like it's it's a done deal, just like everybody got weird about the whole Spider Man rights and everything, and then Disney ended up like coming through for us. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel okay with that yet. I mean, they 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 haven't won my trust on 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 the dark side of for Disney. Let's let's say Disney gets the DC rights, okay? I think. And this was a discussion in the MCU chat group. I think that what they're going to do, hope hope to God, goodness gracious, don't don't try to make a, a Marvel 2.0. That's not going to work. That's a bad marketing pitch. People already have it. It's a satiated and we're already off on that trajectory by what, 15 years now? Something like that? So just, just let it keep riding in the, in the MCU. Let that go. The DCEU needs to be something different. And, and personally, I don't think that the, the goal should be a crossover event. I don't think that should be a goal. I think the goal should be to set up the DCEU in a way that is, is different and new. But you let the characters that are originated from the DCEU shine through. Let them do the heavy lifting by just telling their stories and let it grow organically on its own. Now, I personally like the kind of dark, brooding style that's kind of come out of the DCU, which Zack Snyder had a big hand to play in. I liked that because it was different, but the characters were kind of built for it. I don't think they're going to make it like Marvel because they already have that all planned out for the next phase of Marvel. So why would they saturate that whole market when they already own it, you know? So the Nolan Batman series is kind of where they based all that off of. If they kind of run with that, but they're able to flush out the characters more compared to just like we're doing the Justice League now and we're doing this, you know, when they're kind of, if they're able to put set up more movies and kind of flesh those characters out, they can be broody or whatever, but that will be okay. I'm, I would be okay with that. For me, watching Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut, it made me feel a lot better about what he was trying to go for. I still disagree on aspects with Superman, his fundamental character. Uh, what they kind of did with Batman, I kind of wish they really fleshed Batman out a lot more. But when it came to other, the other characters like Wonder Woman, um, Cyborg, what they did with the new cut, Flash, they fleshed them all out compared to the original theater cut, which they were just stick-ons, right? And I felt like it kind of knitted together a lot of issues I had originally with the whole the direction they were going for. Now, when it comes to how they would potentially take Batman or fleshing that whole universe out, We'll see their choices for Joker or other characters. I don't like still, but you know, yeah, they're trying to like modernize some of these villains and I'm like, don't do it. Like I liked the comic book version, you know, just let it play out. And that, that's what I meant by like, if they, if they get it DC, 
just let the characters do the storytelling in a sense. Like, don't try to make it something it's not. Don't try to quote, like modernize it. Sure. With the storyline, like let it be connectable, but like, just let the, let the stories play out. Let the characters be the characters. I just can't see Disney allowing both the MCU and DC both on Disney plus. Like I just, I can't see it. And I think it would be, if, if I was Disney and I was looking at this, I would, I would grab DC, the rights for DC and, and grab it all. And then I would shelve it. Like if I was being, I was being just a horrible person, that's what I would do. I would shelve it. I'd let the, um, let the stories, you know, kind of continue as, as they, as they are, but I wouldn't want any more competition for my golden goose. I would just, I would just let that keep going and I'd keep DC on the back burner until everyone, everyone lost interest in MCU and then I'd pick DC back up. It's not what, what I, what I would want as a creator, but as a, as a business person, and as a cold, heartless bastard, that's probably what I would do. Uh, I I completely disagree. I completely disagree uh, about the, what to do with the DC. And I think it, yeah, I think that'd be a funny way to play that out. Um, if you're talking about the MCU as a golden goose, which is you just said, then that's going to continue to run. It's going to make you money, period, because people are bought into it at this point. It's part of literal culture in America. So like that's set. If you are a business person trying to make as much money as possible, then you dang well better pick up the DC universe and start making it make money for you in tandem with Marvel. But it already, it, but here's the thing. It already comes with passive income in, in play. Yeah, but you got to milk that cow, dude. You can't just let the cow sit there and wait till it's udders full and it starts dripping milk out. No, man, you got to milk that. I think the whole, the biggest reason why Disney should like shelve it, right, is because they already are dumping out incredible amounts of money into Star Wars, which they messed up. Okay. And they learned their lesson, right, pretty hard. Well, hopefully, like, God, please. Um, if you mess up KOTOR, I'm coming for you people. Like, it's a whole, okay. But it, like, like, it, but so they've already had like, they had to eat another, they tried to buy a, a second golden goose and they lost a ton of money. They made a lot of money, but they lost money. And they also lost the ability to do the same thing with star Wars that they did with the MCU. So now you have DC, which is a whole other territory. Now, you know, let's say you, let's say that they're spending, what, $5 billion a year, you know, on each one of these franchises in just movies alone um, and TV shows. So now you're telling me you're putting out 10 billion. Now you're going to put out 15. So you're going to triple your, your, you know, like your, your output without necessarily seeing that income. And that, that's a pretty deep risk. Why not just shelve it and, and hold it? It's not what I want them to do. But I say I say we pick up this conversation next time and uh, hopefully have some more information to go off of to give us a little bit of a guiding rudder. Yeah, everyone put their put their comments down below. Let us know who's right. It's me. Um, <laughs> just just validate me, would you please? Um, um, he needs that approval, folks. Yeah, I need it slathered on my back, please. Um, all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> guys, we will see you guys next time. Uh, make sure that you do subscribe, uh, like us on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else that we are. Make sure that you check out uh, Micah's group. Micah, what is that again? MCU chat. MCU chat on, on Facebook. We'll have all of our links and everything else for our websites and everything else down below. Until next time, we will see you later.